Hello and welcome. I'm Brian Pace Braga, and you're listening to Building Business and Balance Conversations with BPB. I created this podcast for anyone looking for insight, mentorship, and guidance from someone who's been there and back again on the road to success. I'm so excited to bring the most brilliant thought leaders and friends on air with me to get real about what it means to build business and balance and how you define your own success. This episode features Steven Eisen, the founder of Loci, whose super-powered brand of beaded bracelets is sold at over 5,000 locations in 170 countries around the world. He's built a socially responsible lifestyle brand that represents the highs and lows, and essentially the balance of the journey of life. Take a listen as Stephen and I discuss his early years and inspiration, the influence of his grandfather's Alzheimer's diagnosis on his entrepreneurial beginnings, and how to stay humble at your highs and hopeful at your lows. We all have highs and lows. Um, And I said, okay, well, what are the highest and lowest points on earth? And I knew... Uh, the Dead Sea was the lowest point. I had just been there. Um, and I, I did a quick Google and Mount Everest was the highest point. And so I said, okay, well, how can I take elements from these two places, uh, mud from the Dead Sea and uh, water from Mount Everest and incorporate them into a product that people could wear every day as a reminder to stay balanced. Let's get into my conversation with Steven. What's going on? You know, just another morning. Where are you? Are you are you at home? Or are you at uh, are you at an office? Yeah, I'm at home in New York. And how is it? It's good. It's um, I mean, you know, I have a young child and then a pregnant wife, and so we're kind of <laughs> living in uh, a bubble, you might say, probably more safe than most people. Uh, but the city seems to be coming back to normal a little bit. I think we've been here the whole time that COVID was going on besides a short break and for a city that never sleeps, I think for the first time it was sleeping. Um, there were, there were points where you go outside on walks and you wouldn't see one person. Um, but now people are out at restaurants, people are waiting for tables. Like it's, it feels good. And, um, I think people are getting more comfortable and being safe. I think everyone wears a mask and, yeah, it's, it's nice. And I think it was nice to be here during that tough time as well. Yeah. Uh, what, was nice, what, what was nice about being there that, around the t- during the tough time? I think it was just being able to see the city in a different light. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I found that here and, in London too. And experience the, the hard times. I think um, being fortunate and being able to leave the city and go to your second house is a great luxury, but there's lots of people that can't do that, that are here through the good and the bad. And I think to, to be here and experience the tough times with the people of New York, um, was a special time. And, um, when the nurses would go to the hospital every night at 7 PM, people were opening their windows, cheering. Um, and so, yeah, there, there was something, special about that hard time and um so people have bought me shirts being like like i'm a true new yorker i stayed here through covid um (laughs) it's pretty funny it's a crazy crazy incredible city i still i gotta say i still haven't i probably haven't spent enough time there uh to to, i mean i definitely haven't spent enough time there to value it uh as much as um, you know, clearly you do and others and people that say they love New York, they love New York. So much of my time there has been actually stressful, like so stressful because when I think of New York, I think of an overnight red eye flight from Vancouver and then doing a full day of meetings back to back with investors that are really playing intellectual, you know, warfare. And, uh, and, uh, I just remember being running around in, in taxis, <clears throat> you know, I, I actually, it was, it was, it was, I haven't had a ton of like, I haven't spent the time to have a ton of great experience there. It's been, for me, it's been a place of very intense work. So I'm, uh, hopefully as things settle out, I can spend some more time there and, and see it for what, you know, you see it for and, and what others see it for. 
And I think it probably to that point takes being here for a good amount of time to experience and understand that. Um, because just like anywhere you travel, when, when you go somewhere for a short amount of time, you try to pack in as many things as possible. And that's not a sustainable way of living right either. So yeah, I think you gotta, I would love you to come live here for a little bit and we can hang out more. I don't know about, I don't know about live, but you know, spend time. I, and I agree. I'd love to hang out more. Um, but let's, uh, let's get started because, uh, I'm thankful for awesome. your, your valuable time you've carved out. Um, you know, this entire podcast, um, uh, is about, um, even my own curiosity from people I meet around the world that I admire. Uh, you're definitely one of them. I remember when we first met for breakfast, uh, in New York, um, my godfather, um, whom I love dearly, uh, Robin Brown, um, his introduction to you was like, you're the cool, he said, you're the coolest guy and I've got to meet you. You're the cool, like literally the coolest guy. Yeah. And I remember, <laughs> I remember meeting you and, and, uh, I just want to say your, um, I want to acknowledge your calm and kind demeanor. Um, at such a young age, you carry wisdom in you, I think, um, in your presence. That's, that's amazing. And something that <clears throat> I, fe- I felt right away. So I want to thank you for that. Um, and, you know, your humbleness is, is also uh, incredibly an admirable trait of yours. So, um, you know, thank you for, for both of those. And the conversation today um, is I like to try to break down um, uh, these conversations into like your early years, uh, which would be like under the age of 10 years old your more formative years, um, kind of teenage years and, and, and influences then kind of, you know, late teens, early twenties. Um, and then really start to dig into, you know, loci and what, what a lot of your life is about today and family. So, um, let's, let's start in, in the early years. What was, uh, <laughs> what was life like for, for you? What was family like for you? Um, you know, where, where were you born? And, and what were those kind of early years like um, yeah. for you? And, and before jumping into that, I just want to say thanks for having me. And um, I'm very excited to be on this podcast and talking to you about life and balance because um, I've done a lot of interviews in the past and it's just jumping straight into the company and what's going on and success and this and that. And I think uh, to be able to share stories with me but other people you've interviewed last night I listened to the one with you and Frank and um, I think the balance and the life side of it is conversations that you and I have with mentors and people that we look up to in our life that most people don't get to hear about or see and uh, those are probably the more important conversations that we have um, to help us become successful in life and so um, I think this is going to be the first interview that I talk about a bunch of things that I've never spoke about uh, either. So, yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. Um, thanks for acknowledging that. And I, I agree. Part of, the, part of the goal here is to democratize out some of those, those benefits that you and I both get, as you, as you, as you mentioned. And thanks for being so vulnerable um, and doing this. So, um, yeah, let's dig into your, your early years. Awesome. So, um, so the, the thing that jumps out about my early years, and I'm originally from Boston, um, Chestnut Hill to be exact, uh, and I don't know if you know this, but I have dyslexia. Um, and, I didn't know that. And that was definitely a big piece of my childhood growing up. Um, I really struggle with reading, and I still struggle today. Um, with reading. It's, it's one of the harder things for me. Um, and, and on the other side, I am such a competitive person and don't like to fail and, and uh, don't want to just succeed, but want to do as, as well as I can. And so growing up, school was a challenge for me, but it drove me to work harder uh, than most and as hard as I could to get the great grades and and still be successful, even though I had this 
um, this thing that ma that made work more challenging and whether that was working twice as hard or twice as long on homework or I got extra time on tests, which sounds great if you don't have dyslexia, but if you're taking like the SATs and you have to sit there for eight hours instead of four hours, it still took me the whole eight hours to get it done. And so I think that was a very um, early and challenging thing for me in my life that I, I still have not been able to overcome because I still have the, the struggles, but I think um, it's, it's created something in me that I realize I need to work harder at the things that I'm not good at because it's easy to just focus on the things you are good at. Um, and then I think the flip side of that coin is everyone has things that they are great at and things that they are not as good at and using your strengths to, um, to focus on and, uh, rely on as your superpower uh, um, can help you succeed as well. So I think it's realizing that balance of what you're good at and what you're not good at. Yeah, I agree. And do, do you, where did that competitive streak come in for you? Do you think, was it, was it, was it mom or like when your mom or dad, was it, was it sibling? Was it friends? Like where, or, I mean, <laughs> the other thing that comes to mind for me is Boston's incredible, um, sports franchises and the competition there that just seems to be in the lifeblood of the city. But sorry, what, I, what comes? I think it was just born in me. Um, I've always been super competitive. Um, I, I view myself as an athlete um, and I just sports growing up. I was always incredibly competitive. I ran track in college um, and that competitive drive has just always been a part of me that um, I don't think you can really teach that. I think you either have that or you don't. And how have you differentiated or uh, maybe not differentiated, but how have you come to peace with, because I, I, from what I know of you and how I've gotten to know you, you are for sure clearly competitive as we'll talk about later in the incredible success success you've built in, in one business and now um a, a few others it seems like um but how have you maintained competitive within competition within yourself as opposed to um almost being tricked into being competitive with others when in that sense you probably never find the peace that you found within yourself um and when did when was that time that you recognized instead of being envious or spiteful of others' success, where you looked inward and just competed to become the best of yourself? Because I, I see that with you, and I don't know if that came naturally as well, or there was a turning point for, for you. It's a great question. Um, and, and I don't know if there's a defining moment that I can say this is the moment where I change to have a more inward view of competition. Um, I would say more recently with the birth of my first son, Andres, um, I think having a child completely changes the world in your eyes and you're no longer living for yourself. You're living for someone else now. And um, I think that that mindset of, wow, like someday I'll be gone and this is, will be his world. What am I doing today to make this a better place for him? Um, it starts to shift the way that you think about what success is um, and, and why you're doing what you're doing. And um, yeah, I, I think also on the business side, it, it takes time. Um, the, the founder that I was seven years ago compared to the founder CEO I am today. Um, you learn lessons, you have highs, you have lows. Um, and, and through all that, I think you mature and uh, you hopefully take those lows and those lessons and um, apply them to things that you do in the future. Yep. I agree. 
Um, and how much of your, because the essence of loci um, was a real tough time for you with your with your grandfather's um, di- di- diagnosis of, of Alzheimer's. And, um, you know, I, I went through it with my father, uh, um, which was Louis Body. And if those listening have gone through, um, you know, real destruction of cognitive ability and people they love, they know how painful it is to watch uh, the essence of someone they love um, pass before their eyes without the form of their body actually, you know, m- moving on. Um, so I bring that up because something that I've looked at in my life are the, the, the wounds and scars that I have have become some of my greatest passions. You literally built your entire business about this. Do you mind giving some more context to that time in your life and how that pain has been such a driver for you over and above building a profitable um, uh, and healthy enterprise? Yeah, absolutely. So it was about 10 years ago now. It was after my freshman year in college. I was on vacation with my family and friends thinking about how lucky it was to be there. But that week, my grandfather was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And growing up, he was a huge part of my life. Uh, He lived like a few blocks away from me. He drove me to school every day. Day as a young kid, he taught me to play golf and pool, and um, yeah, that that was really my first experience with disease and uh, the the knowing that death was coming, and um, it brought me to a low. And it, I had always been a very entrepreneurial kid growing up. Uh, he was an entrepreneur. My dad is, is was an entrepreneur, and. I think to the flip side of the dyslexia, I was always coming up with ideas. I was always trying to hustle. And um, I said, I was thinking about, okay, I'm going through these highs and lows. Everybody has highs and lows in their life. It doesn't matter your age, your demographic, your income level, your gender. We all have highs and lows. Um, And I said, okay, well, what are the highest and lowest points on earth? And I knew... uh, the Dead Sea was the lowest point. I had just been there. Um, and I, I did a quick Google and Mount Everest was the highest point. And so I said, okay, well, how can I take elements from these two places, uh, mud from the Dead Sea and uh, water from Mount Everest and incorporate them into a product that people could wear every day as a reminder to stay balanced, staying humble when you're on top of the world and hopeful when you've hit a low. I, I didn't want to overpromise and say this balances your body and it's more just about that reminder um and as part of that story with my grandfather and alzheimer's i thought about how i could give back and help and so i decided to donate 10 percent of the profits to charity and since launching Lokai seven years ago we've been able to donate over eight and a half million dollars to different nonprofit organizations um and we've been able to work with some amazing partners along the way and i think uh being able to just touch so many people's lives and uh, people that are going through breast cancer alzheimer's uh, any any other struggle that they're going through that they need hope uh, for loka to be that small reminder to to help them through that journey uh, is what fuels me and, and has helped me uh continue to run that company through many highs and lows of its own uh, over the course of the last seven years. I love what you just said about, thanks for sharing that. I love what you just said. So stay humble at your highs and hopeful at your lows. Mm -hmm. That's awesome advice. That is um, a friend of mine brought up um, some, uh, um, a quote to me a couple years ago, which was this too shall pass. And um, on both highs and lows too, which I, I try to stick to as well when I'm feeling, you know, those highs and whatever's created that is this, you know, this too shall pass uh, as a reminder and also the really bad lows, you know, that this too shall pass. Um, and I, I think for me in doing some of the healing work that I've done myself, um, embracing, embracing feelings um, is also something that, that has um, I've gotten much more um, 
uh, prepared for, got my head wrapped around. Cause I think us as humans, we don't want to feel pain. You know, we just, we just want to avoid pain at all costs. And I feel like the conversations that, that Lokai brings up, uh, in its very essence, um, you know, allows, allows there to be a reminder and a conversation piece, um, uh, around, vulnerability and and talking about the highs and lows and and i was reading online it was one of the articles i was reading that um that mentioned that and mentioned some of the early success of loci was sharing on social media and people being open about the product and then like openly sharing do you mind walking me through um some of those early days of traction and how this product almost seems like it ended up being this like um like this truth bracelet or something or this vulnerability bracelet that was like a pass to to open up and 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 what you noticed and what you witnessed yeah i i think one of the big factors in the success of lokai um was right place right time right product the right story and um social media was was really just gaining traction uh when when lokai was at its infancy and um, and sorry, that was about seven, about seven years ago. Yeah. Five years ago. So 2014, 2015. Um, and on Instagram, we really started to tell people stories about Lokai and what the product meant to them and, and, and how they find balance in their life. And, um, it's a very unique design um that's pretty recognizable and so we started to uh send bracelets to athletes and celebrities and influencers um but we were very thoughtful about who we sent them to and which products we sent and um if we knew that someone's mom had breast cancer we would send them a a box of the pink one for breast cancer and say hey we know you're going through this like here's what loci is and uh, a lot of people ended up sharing their stories of personal highs and lows and how Lokai connected to that. And it just became a ripple effect. And people saw those posts, millions of people, and then they bought the product and they posted about their personal story. And so Lokai, I think, really became a vehicle to enable people to tell their own stories of highs and lows um, through social media. And that, that was the, the spark. I love it. I have a couple questions off that because um, uh, have you have you seen Social Dilemma yet on on yeah. Netflix? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, you know, at least my my take is um, social media is in in many ways you know seems to have lost its way a bit, um, maybe a lot. Um, and the essence and, you know, <laughs> integrity and everything you're sharing um, in 2014, 2015 about this bracelet and, you know, is all so genuine. And I think such a powerful thing about social media is, is actually allowing us to be connected um, and not feel so alone. And then, you know, with AI and machine learning and, and just the, the, the for-profit nature of Facebook who owns Instagram, um, it seems like it's just gone so far off track to commercialize and to profit um, and, and numbed out the audience um, from these great stories that should share, uh, that people should be able to share and, and all you know, heal collectively. Because I'm a big believer in, 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 as you share your story, it, more often than not, someone else has been there. And it's so nice just to be able to have that, that support. How, how do you feel about social media now, given your business has been so successful off of it and continues to be, how do you feel about it? And how do you think as a citizen of the world and a, and a, and a community member of social media, how do we all get better? How do we all become more responsible contributors to, to it? I love that you're asking me this question because it's something that I've thought about a lot recently and obviously have watched that documentary and um, have been struggling with because on one side, uh, without social media, loci probably wouldn't exist or at least as big as it is today uh, and, con- and, and continues to, right? We, 
we run paid, paid marketing and paid ads through Instagram and Facebook, and it's a large driver of our revenue. And um, it's a platform that uh, we use to continue to tell our stories. On the flip side, from a personal standpoint, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a culprit just like everyone else. Like I find myself using Instagram and social media way more than I want to. And um, I am going to turn 30 December 3rd. Uh, so a big birthday coming. And I, <laughs> awesome. I thought to myself, when I turn 35, what will be something that I look back on and regret? about the last five years of my life. And I said, being on Instagram too much and wasting my time on it. Um, and it's funny that a lot of my life and Loke has stories about balance because I am such an extreme person. I think I find balance <laughs> in the extremes, right? I'm kind of on ends of the spectrum. Um, but you for me, me, I am very... me both. <laughs> yeah. And so for me, I'm very black and white. I can't live in the gray. And so um, I've deleted the Instagram app off my phone. And um, yeah, I'm considering just delete. I I think I'll keep my profile there because to your point, being able to post things once in a while and, and tell important stories and use the platform as a way to do good um, is something that I have. And so I, d I don't want to get rid of that completely, but from a personal life standpoint, I don't want to sit on Instagram an hour a day. Um, I'd rather spend that with my kids or working or working out and, or with friends in person. So, uh, that's how I've approached it from a personal side. And how do you, th I, I, I thank you for sharing that. How do you think if you, um, if you are, I guess you're, yeah, you're black and white. I, I'm just, I'm wondering if there's insight from someone that's built such a successful business, partly because of um, something like Instagram, which I'm guilty of too. Um, what I've tried to do on my Instagram, not what I've tried to do, what I have done is use my Instagram 100% as really a blog um, uh, and for, for, um, for messages I I'd like to share and, 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 you know, things that, that I've learned that I want to share or inspirational quotes, uh, or knowledge that I, that I pick up that I want to share. Um, but I still find myself and especially moving away, um, from Vancouver about a year and a half ago in my times of loneliness, I definitely, enjoy seeing my friends having, you know, doing what they're doing in their lives. Um, so I'm definitely guilty. Um, and I'm trying to find a way, um, uh, to have a healthier relationship with it. Um, so, cause I also find I've, I've got a close friends group that are kind of my close friends from around the world. And I actually do find that tool excellent for keeping in touch with, you know, more than, instead of having a group text or a group WhatsApp group, you know, really sharing with photos and, and even being able to be a little bit creative with those photos. Um, I actually do find it to be a great tool um, used in that manner. What I, what I've, what I've found is like anything in life um, it's what your in intent is or what, you know, what is your intention? What are you trying to, what are you taking a step back and saying, what, what are you trying to achieve with this application or tool or relationship or experience. Um, and, and for me, it's been, yeah, just more of a reapproach to why am I doing this and what is my responsibility as a community member? Um, um, you know, that I has a certain amount of a small community, but a certain amount of eyeballs and, and a very engaged one. How do I come in with a sense of responsibility? Um, so, um, I wonder, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see where social media goes because, I do think, I, I, I do think I, I'm hopeful and I'm an eternal optimist, but I'm hopeful that there's going to be a version two, 2.0 of social media or whatever it is, 3.0 now. Um, and it'll be an incredible tool, I hope, to enable people to take action. And what I mean by that is this David Attenborough, um, you know, um, documentary. Have you seen that yet? The 
It, it, Dave Amber was a, uh, I'm going to butcher this a bit, but he was like a, a British um, uh, adventurer broadcaster. Um, um, the, 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 the new, uh, the documentary is called Life on Our Planet. And um, he's, I think, 94 years old. And he got onto Instagram, I don't know, a month ago. And he very vulnerably uh, at the ripe age of, of 94 um, started promoting his documentary which is what he's seen change in one lifetime from being a early um, uh, uh, adventurer and, and, and doing um, uh, documentaries around the world um, and just what's, what's happened to, our, to our, uh, our planet from an environmental perspective. And why I mention that is he talks about all these major issues, one being the bleaching of coral, coral reefs. And um, if, you, if you think about the, the, the effect that, that that has on the ocean because of the warming of the ocean and all the inhabitants of the ocean that depend on that, then, then the, the, the chain goes down and down and down, um, that what an amazing thing it would be for Instagram to add um, in getting all these eyeballs how can we not have one or two steps further to enable people to help, not just with capital and transparently, but manpower in a world that's got such, you know, rising unemployment. Um, can we use this incredible ability to share content that moves us and enable people? Like that's why I think we're optimistic that we're, we're missing the next point. You know, we can actually engage and, and rally capital and people around um, things. And I think Loci is a great example of it as you guys do partnerships. And I'd love to hear more about how you guys have approached partnerships because it's something that I think you pivoted into. You know, it, it's, uh, you've taken a business platform and you've now evolved it outside of just the, 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 the eight and a half million dollars, which is incredible. You've given away. Um, you know, how do you look at and why did you involve your business into this partnership model? Um, and, and how do you see that moving forward? Yeah, and just to close out on the social media piece of this, um, I agree. I think that um, those companies have a responsibility now to, um, to look at business in a different way, not just how much profit can we make, but... Uh, how can we do good and change the world in a positive way? And um, I, I, I am hopeful that they will go in that direction and get there. Because um, to your point, I think having those eyeballs um, is a great way to get important information, if it's accurate information, um, to a lot of people quickly. And so... Um, yeah, I, I feel the same way as you that social media can be used in a great way. Um, let's hope, let's hope it does that. Um, and then, yeah, on the loci side, I think what we learned really on and, um, yeah, loci, loci from a business revenue standpoint, uh, first few years was a rocket ship and then came, crashing down just as fast as, as it went up. And um, that, was, that was a tough time for me. And uh, you think you're uh, the best founder CEO in the whole world and nothing you can do uh, is going to be wrong. And, and then, uh, yeah, you can't stop the downfall. And that downfall has been a few years uh, and it humbled me a lot and taught me a lot. And um, I think the one thing that we did very well throughout the kind of the up and the down was staying true to who we are and talking about balance and staying humble and hopeful and not using the celebrities and the influencers to, to say, oh, we have this person wearing the product, you should buy it too. And so I think the, the core consumers of Loki have always been there and um, what we realized early on are the people that are most passionate about our brand are the people that are most passionate about the uh, cause of the partner that we have. And that started out being charity partners. Um, and we've now evolved into 
partnering with a bunch of different licenses because um, as an example in my life, sports and athletics is what helps me find balance um, against work and everything else. For other people, that's uh, their favorite sports team or their uh, favorite Disney or Star Wars movies and characters. And so, um, yeah, we've uh, evolved into sports licensing with all the major sports leagues. And uh, then this year we just rolled out Star Wars, Disney and Marvel licenses. Um, and we always, we always connect that message back to balance um, and, and the product and, and that core integrity of, of what we stand for. But giving people a way to express themselves um, through our product and how they find balance has allowed us to expand outside of just the causes. It's incredible. You were, I don't know where you get your wisdom, man. <laughs> You're so, so, so awesome. Um, I want to, I want to take a step back just to, to some of the more formative years. So um, like, like teenage years, like you mentioned dyslexia, um, but, but what else, like, what else was teenage, what, what was teenage life like for you? And, and what were some of these influences, if this triggers anything for you, like that we, we talked about competition, but like competition, hard work, you mentioned dyslexia forced you into this environment to work harder. So you probably just have this incredible work ethic or you do. Um, but were there other people that, that helped you with your ambition that helped you with, you know, with your self-reflection, um, like who are some of those big influences and why were they, why were they such big influences for you? Yeah, I think, um, the, the first one that pops into my head is my father. Um, he was, he was an entrepreneur and, uh, growing up, I was able to go in his office and see how cool it was and walk around. And, um, I remember early on though, talking to him, I think this was probably like early teen years um and it was very clear you're not going to take over this business um like you have to do it on your own and i think uh understanding and and i think that is a hard thing for a father to do and say is don't follow in my footsteps like build your own success and and that's what will make you the happiest and the proudest um, is, is an amazing gift that he gave me. And it, it made me go on my own journey and, and uh, learn and, and find what makes me happy and what I like to do instead of thinking, Oh, I'm just going to go through the motions and take over this company. And so, but was it, sorry to interrupt you, but was it hard for you to hear that at the time from your dad? I, th I think it was, um, but I think I was still young enough that I didn't, that I didn't understand how much easier, I guess it would be to just go into his company and his business as like the son of the, the boss. So I think it was just an early lesson that I learned I was going to go do my own thing. Um, and um, talking about school, I, early on, I went to uh, public school through freshman year. And then I, I, it was my decision to transfer to private school, uh, sophomore through senior year. And I went from an awesome uh, school that was co-ed and had a lot of fun to all boys shirt and tie. Uh, and I got there and I think I was like, what did I do to myself? <laughs> uh, but it was just, um, it was another challenge for me. And I think that's kind of the nature of my personality. I will always go after the biggest possible challenge and um, do everything I can to be successful. So that was a big step in my, in who, in who I am today. Yeah, change. Change is a good one as tough as it is, right? Um, what does the word balance mean to you today? Being an extremist. <laughs> balance to me is setting aside the time 
to do the things that fill me up and make me happy and uh, not doing things that empty the cup, you might say, right? And, and I think the excuse of, oh, I don't have time for that is, is more just you telling yourself, well, the other things that are filling up my day and my time are just more important. And so I have really focused this year on, and I think uh, one of, one of the, the positives uh, for COVID for me is it's allowed me to really cut out all of the things that are not necessary um, and focus on the things that are. And I, I have my journal that I've clearly listed out, family, work, and working out. And those three things are all that matter to me. And uh, I set aside time every single day. I have in my calendar, like bath time with my son, because that is important. And someone shouldn't, someone shouldn't be able to put a meeting on my calendar for the time that I'm supposed to give him a bath. And so I think protecting your time and uh, putting in your day set things that you're going to do to make you happy and help you find balance uh, is, is what for me I needed to do to protect that time and not fill it with things that you think are important, but aren't. I love that. Protect your time. I love that. Um, you're able to do this now from a position of building a super successful company. Um, if I ask you that same question, because I I I <laughs> I'm, I face the same um, fortunate position now to have more choice, how would you have given that answer or recommend to uh, other people that maybe don't have that same uh, fortunate position to have the choice? At least you know, and good on you for recognizing you have the choice because there's also a lot of successful people I think we both know um, or have come across that just continue to be busy for the sake of being busy and are feeding the ego and are just going to be more successful because that's what they think makes them tick. They just haven't taken the time to, to slow down and, and, and reflect. Um, but for someone that, that isn't running such a successful business and had the, the fortunate success you've had, how, how, would you, how would you look back and say, you know, carving out balance and time for things outside of just trying to, trying to make things you know, make ends meet. Um, any thoughts there? Yeah, and, and I can give you a great example. Um, one of my best friends, his name is David Greenfeld. He's the founder and CEO of Dream Pops, which is a 100% plant-based uh, uh, confection company. Um, he's same age as me and very successful investment banker and was making a very, uh, very great, comfortable salary uh, and gave it all up to be an entrepreneur and didn't have uh, a huge savings or uh, big family money or anything to, to keep him comfortable through, through being an entrepreneur. And um, he's, he's in the grind, you might say. And one of the lessons and things that I talked to him about is that this is a marathon, not a sprint, being an entrepreneur. And you're going to go through lots of highs and lows and you're going to have great successes. And it's about not getting burnt out and being able to continue to grow the company week after week, month after month, year after year. And um, you need to build in those things that make you a happy person and, uh, make you want to be your best because if you're if you're not your best while you're not working it, it's going to be hard to be your best while you're working and to be fulfilled and happy and to make your company successful and so um you might get less sleep because of how busy you are um but i like i still tell them you have to make time for um your health and your family and your friends yeah, I agree. I, you say that, you articulate that so well. I, I think even in my, in my own experience, um, um, 
I think you touch on something important is, is, is bringing your best to the table, whatever you're doing. It takes time and thought and consideration to the time you're not working. So, you know, use this example that if you're showing up 50%, you got to do things twice as long to have the same output. And I think it's a, a gift that, that, that this last couple of years has given me since selling lithium X um, and even more reminded this year with COVID is just the effectiveness of time. Um, if, if I'm in a way better place and balanced and strong, um, I can get so much more done that what used to take me way longer because of anxiety or stress or, you know, just being overly unhealthy and less conscious and considerate. Um, it's incredible the, the difference. And, you know, I, I, I share, you know, um, the, uh, the healing that it sounds like David's gone through um, or the cleansing from being in, 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 in a very high intense business being the finance world to entrepreneurship. And you say that so well. And I think this is something that I want to just reiterate that entrepreneurship is a marathon, not a sprint. And conducting your business and yourself and your, your teams um, in, in, in conditioning them in that, in that, in that thought um, is awesome advice. I haven't heard, heard it articulated like that. It's awesome advice. So thank you. Um, now that you're, you're a father uh, and a husband and um, you've got another, another one on the way, um, how has how has success the definition of success evolved for you from from Stephen witnessing his dad being a, an entrepreneur um, to um, you know starting starting loci uh, now to starting a family how has it evolved for you and and how have you how have you been okay with that change? Um, as, as the chapters have turned uh, in, in, in your life? And are there some things that you've learned to cope with change given the state of the world right now um, changing so rapidly? It's, it's, it's a huge question. <laughs> and um, I think, yeah, the one constant is change. And I know you talk about that a lot. And for me, change is great and it's about growing and evolving and 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 be, becoming a new you and like if you if you aren't changing and growing as as a person um i think you you won't be as fulfilled and so for me um i was so lucky to find my wife um early on and we met between sophomore and junior college and uh, dated for five years before we got married and now yeah have, have one child and second one's due in less than a month so um gotta gotta try to get what sleep i can now but um <laughs> i think i i think that that difference of just not being a father to being a father is is one of the most transformative experiences that you can have um in how you view the world and um i've always viewed the environment and climate change as something that i was passionate about and wanted to help and be part of the solution not the problem um and i think that as i continue to be a, a entrepreneur and work on different things that's going to become a large focus for me um, and, and i think it will be companies that are still in the for-profit space um, because i think i think that being a for-profit business um, allows you to to operate in a different mentality in different way uh, but if you can do that for something that does good in the world and makes a positive change and um, help save the environment, that's, that, that would be my goal. And so um, I think that's where I will start to spend more of my time uh, in the coming years. 
I love it. And that obviously rings true to me. And we've talked about deep green um, and I've actually got to send you um, an update on, on some analysis we've done on if we're going to put a billion cars on the roads in an industry that's about a hundred million cars, new cars a year, what's the impact from something like a new industry like deep green, uh, which of, of course still have its impact. Um, and then what, if we keep doing it the same way we're doing it now, what, what will happen from a, a water usage perspective, energy, uh, carbon dioxide, um, uh, and emission. Um, it's pretty astounding. Um, but that's beside the point and we're, we're going to, we'll continue to talk about that. Um, thank you. Thank you. It's been, it's, it's, uh, yeah. It's been a lot. We were we talk about a, a great founder CEO. Uh, sorry, C- CEO early early um, uh, capital provider. But Gerard has been incredible uh, in that mission. Um, but that's for another conversation. How do you think we we started a little bit talking about New York, but being there, building a business there, building a family. How do you think New New York uh, changes through this and being such a focal point for? Um, um, again, when I think of New York, but like busy finance, um, real estate development, uh, offshore money, like global, I mean, pretty much the epitome in some ways of globalization of, of capital flowing freely from all around the world to those big skyscrapers. Um, uh, how, how do you think the UN, you know, gathering there and, and just, just so much of, yeah, globalization represented in New York. How do you see New York changing um, out of this? I, I think for the most part, New York will bounce back quickly. Um, I think just as it, is, as it has with devastation in the past. Um, because I think that the people that live in New York and spend time in New York are drawn to that fast paced speed and ability to, um, go to restaurants, go to museums, uh, experience different cultures, be around so many people. And, um, so I think from that aspect, um, the city's not going away anytime soon. I think the, the biggest impact that I see happening in the city is uh, like corporate offices, right? Because so many people commute into the city to work and there's huge skyscrapers with all these offices that um, you don't really need anymore. And for young companies that have a lot of uh, younger employees that are, that are so, they just know how to use technology so easily. It's just second nature to us um, that, I've found my company has um, probably become faster, stronger, better uh, being virtual than being in person. Um, And I think it's because uh, one, we're we're able to hire talent now from all over the country and all over the world. Uh, I have one employee living in Switzerland right now. Um, And it hasn't slowed us down a bit. And so why why do you need an office when you can hire the best talent, no matter where they are and communicate so efficiently. And and I think also to this podcast about balance, um, why should what you do work wise influence where you want to live and spend your life on the personal side. And, and so, um, yeah, people have moved in my company to different places now and, wherever makes them happy and we're never going back to an office. So um, I think it will be interesting to see how the opportunity of all of these empty office buildings uh, gets utilized. And I think that's yet to be seen. Great points. Yeah, I, I agree. It will be interesting to see. Um, and, you know, I see it here in, in London, not that I have a, you know, a ton of experience here yet, because I recently moved, as I mentioned, um, but it's, it's definitely a different London right now. And uh, I, 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 I think like New York, London does have so much to offer um, uh, 
um, from a history, cultural, and, and what I found, I think New York similar is just high performing people gather mm -hmm. in, in these places. Um, you know, in whatever industry, uh, it just seems to, 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 to have people gravitate towards uh, high performing people or ambitious people, um, you know, want to, want to be with others and, 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 you know, the old, uh, if you want to learn how to play tennis better, you know, play with someone way better than you and you'll probably, uh, you'll probably get, get better. So, um, I, I'm with you. I, 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 I think, I think there'll be a great opportunity to repurpose the, all these beautiful office towers. And I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to, to know what to do with it or, or creative enough from the design perspective, but I'm sure there'll be some incredible opportunities. Um, so, um, just to, to, to close up, um, if, uh, if you were, you're, you're turning 30 this, this year. Yeah. Amazing. December 3rd. December 3rd. Is it Sagittarius? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, what, what would you tell your, let's say kind of late teen, early 20 year old self, um, outside of, uh, I love that, you know, your last five years was spend less time on, on Instagram. I think I can definitely relate to that. I think a lot of, a lot of people probably can, um, go back up if you, if you don't mind, let's go back a little bit more. Um, you know, what, 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 what do you wish you had known then, um, that you've picked up along the way? I wish I knew more to pursue the things that I loved, um, because those are the things that you will be great at to be great at something. I think you have to love it and be passionate about it. And speaking about college, particularly because I think about this a lot and give it, it, this advice to uh, young people going into college is don't just take the easy classes because you want to get good grades. Really take the classes that interest you no matter what type of classes they are, right? I was in the business entrepreneurs um, school, but my favorite class was photography. And I wish I had taken an architecture class. I wish I had taken computer science class. I wish I had taken um, a design class, right? And so um, there, were, there, there were lots of things that I knew I was interested in when I was younger and um, picking my classes, but I think I ended up taking the ones that were on the straight path that were the easy, just, okay, check the box. And so um, I think... Earlier on, I wish I had pursued more different subjects and things that I liked. Um, and, and not to say I would become an architect, but I think now being like, oh, it would be so amazing to have that knowledge of just the basics of architecture. And I could apply that to entrepreneurship in so many different ways. Um, and so that would be my advice for my earlier self it's awesome advice i was i'm guilty of that too it's such a I'm, I'm, such good insight because yeah i did the same thing it's like oh i'm just going to try to get by and and what's my easy what, what's the path of least resistance to get through this yeah. as opposed to you know have the yeah the wisdom to the gift that that education is and i, I definitely um, definitely took that for granted too. And I think part of the system uh, looks down on you for taking all those different classes because people are like, oh, you don't know what you want to do? Like, why are you taking all these different things? Um, and, I, and I think that, that that perspective needs to be changed that um, you're not lost if you're taking all the different classes you're just learning about so many different things and that will all eventually help you and what you end up wanting to do totally and how about you know um ingrained in what i hear there and ingrained in 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 me at least going through school too was get the best grades so naturally it's like okay if well, i'm trained through my formative years to get the best grades 
then I'm going to play the system here to get the easiest classes that I'm already good at, which is like so beyond what makes sense now, you know, probably for both of us. So I think we just need to continue more examples of dropouts, maybe people that you know, didn't do so well at school, dyslexic, you know, uh, uh, thanks for being open about that. Um, some of the most successful people I know are dyslexic. Um, and, um, you know, but it's okay. Like what, wh- why can't we just embrace and, and, and champion and support curiosity and, and trying and embrace and, and champion failure because that's okay. You know, um, it's such a good point. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Um, I think that's it. Um, I'm, I'm good on my side and I appreciate, uh, this Stephen, like I said, someone I admire, um, a couple of years younger than me and, and someone that's so wise, um, and has built such an incredible business around passion. So, um, yeah, you are such a perfect guest for, for this conversation. So I really, really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate uh, you having me. Of course, anytime. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was great. Did you enjoy it? Was it, was it okay? Amazing. <laughs> no, it was, it was really, like I said at the beginning, it was the first uh, interview I've had or done that talks more about the life side of things than just like, let's dive into the business. So uh, I think, I think these are the exact conversations that future entrepreneurs should hear and um, are very valuable. And I listened to the one with Frank last night and I was like, damn, I got a high bar. I got to, <laughs> I got to, to be on this podcast. <laughs> no, man. My goal is to try to get not just entrepreneurs, people that are like outliers in their respective fields, get as many of them as we can, uh, different nationalities, different genders, uh, different ages. So that, um, cause like you, I'm not a great reader and I've learned most by having great conversations with very capable people. So if, if, if I can build out this database for, not I, if we can build out this database for people, that they can relate to somebody and have the conversations that we're so lucky to have. What a gift we're giving people, you know? Um, So. And, and I didn't want to mention on the podcast because uh, (laughs) I I didn't know if your book was like a public thing or not. (laughs) Um, But like uh, you sent me the book because we were talking about, I was like, yeah, like I want to read that. And I was like, yeah, it will come out. It will be on audiobook. I'll listen to the audiobook. <laughs> and then you send me the draft, and I'm like, ah, shit. <laughs> I'll send you the audio, bro. I'll send you the audio. I'll send you the audio. I need the audio. <laughs> Trying to read a full book would take me like months. <laughs> you and me both. You and me both. Oh, it's awesome. How's that going? Is it, is it going well? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, it is. We're just taking a bit of a step back before we go to launch. Cause, um, I just don't, I, if it, if it, if it gains a lot of traction, I just want to be really prepared for, they have a proper strategy around this book, not just launch it. And, you know, I really want to understand, and I'm digging deeper too myself. What, why am I doing this? What am I trying to get out of it? Um, myself, what more importantly, what am I, what am I trying to give? How am I trying to like pretty much build a business model around the book and all this instead of going into this and getting on a treadmill of something that I, I, I is taking too much, like too much of my time. Um, so just trying to dig deeper on the strategy um, as opposed to, Oh, it's great. Wrote a book, launch it, you know, trying to peel back the layers here before I go. I love that. That's very insightful and smart of you. Thank you. But I will say writing a book, I mean, you've got a young family now, you've got a lot of things, but like I, it was one of the most therapeutic experiences, probably the most therapeutic experience I've ever had. So, um, I mean, you've got a journal, so it's journaling, you know, it's, it's been a, it was like a life journal almost, you know? Um, um, so you, and you have so much wisdom to share. Everyone can read. So, yeah i'm excited to listen to it (laughs) thanks man thank you
Thanks for listening to Building Business and Balance with me, Brian Facebrega. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and the wisdom of the guests I'm privileged to have met and worked with around the world. Subscribe to my series on iTunes for real, raw, and diverse discussions with thought leaders and pioneers on building business, balance, and defining your own success. Tune in next time for episode eight, featuring author, nutritional and gut thought leader, Kiara Foy. Until then, stay curious, my friends.